2: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Bet the Edge. It is Monday, so we are bringing the energy today because we are talking college football, and I'm super pumped to talk that. This is the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Drew and I are here, but we also have a special guest today Todd Furman of Bet the Board stopping by to handicap the PEC 12 in the SEC and who he thinks is going to make the college football playoff. As always, Drew and I got the edge of the day. Drew will be betting something today. I'll be betting something that takes months to pay off, but I think it's worth the while, everybody. <laughs> All of it powered by points bet. So we appreciate you guys. Looking back on the weekend, Drew, it was quite the weekend. J.H. Kim wins Wyndham plus 300, plus 3,000, excuse me. Some people got a plus 9,000. Our very own Brad Thomas, DJ Khaled Voice, another one. He wins again. This guy's been killing it. Verlander, AL Cy Young favorite now. Dylan Cease clipping at the hills and the Yankees, bro. I'm boarding the Ashers chain. I got my first class ticket. I'm not in coach. Uh, what did you think of the weekend? What do you like out of everything I just said?
1: Well, I spent most of my time outdoors. Uh, this is sort of the last kind of last gasp here before college football really comes upon us to uh, to be able to enjoy the summer. Summer feels like it's fading quickly. Yeah. Um, most of my betting activity was uh, tennis and EPL this weekend. Uh, got a little bit uh, into the weeds with the uh, week one of uh, you know the, the first week of fixtures uh, in the EPL starting over the weekend. Uh, and that was a ton of fun. Erling Holland, obviously, uh, off to a hot start in terms of uh, most goal scores this year, getting uh, two for Man City in his debut. That was cool. Um, and a uh, couple, a couple upsets uh, across the uh, across the board. So it's going to be a fun season following EPL. Didn't bet much baseball. Definitely didn't have uh, Tim Kim and in, uh, in Wyndham. Um, you know, but again, hat tip to Br- uh, Brad Thomas for that one at thirty to one. Uh, all, all told, I'm just excited to talk college football
2: today. Frankly. Yeah, me too, man. It's, it's really ruined really my wheelhouse and we got a great guest on today. So let's not waste any more time. Drew, you heard all this stuff. Let's get right into it. But if you guys haven't heard yet, you got to get the app. NBC Sports Break app powered by PointsBet. It's a free contest, MLB, PGA Tour, NASCAR circuit, all of it for free. You could win thousands by predicting those in Tuesdays and Thursdays, Battle of Bets. Drew is on today, Battle of Bets. I am on Thursdays, Battle of Bets. You could tell or fade me on Thursday. Like I said on Friday's show, I'm fading somebody else. So you got to fade me, fade someone else, baby. The man of the hour is going to join us, Todd Furham of his very own show, man. This show, Bet the Board, it's over an hour long. Uh, Drew and I did our research this weekend. Plenty of stuff on there you were talking about. So first of all, how are you doing on this Monday morning?
3: Hey, I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thank you guys for having me on. And there's no doubt about it. I think all of us are excited about college football that's now hours and weeks away instead of months. But you talked about the labor of love for all of those preseason podcasts. I'm glad those things are officially in the rearview mirror and we can finally (laughs) start focusing a little bit more on week zero and week one games and figuring out all that homework we did from May, June, July, and August gets thrown out the window after only one data point.
1: (laughs) Surely, and uh, we were recapping the weekend a bit. I know you're a big NASCAR guy. How did the uh, Firekeepers Casino 400 (laughs) treat you? Did you have any Kevin Harvick at 30 to 1? You know, I did, but not at 30 to one. I
3: actually bet him going into the week, given his track history here. So it took a little bit of a flyer for crumbs. There was relatively fortunate, though, as far as the matchup portfolio worked out. Uh, Biggest position of the weekend was Kyle Larson at about a dollar thirty five against Ross Chastain. Chastain doesn't get himself into trouble like he seems to do every single week. He probably wins that matchup. But as you gentlemen know all too well, you never apologize for winners by hook or by crook, how they come. Uh, so good race overall. And actually looking forward to it. I'll be in attendance at the Richmond race this
2: weekend as a guest at
3: NASCAR. So it should be a lot of fun.
2: All right. We'll have to check you out on that. Make sure everyone does follow him on Twitter, too. And check if you're into NASCAR, this is the man right here. But this is also the man for college football. I used to work as a sports formation director, Tom, or Todd, excuse me. And I always said the athletes have to get paid at some point it's going to come in my lifetime it came within three years of me leaving the NCAA what do you think about the NIL how has this changed the landscape because we already see people taking shots at Nick Saban
3: yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch unfold, guys. Not necessarily for how teams will approach the season going in, but how quickly things can get off of the rails. And I think when you're talking about kids looking around the locker room, realizing some of their teammates are taking home six, in some cases, seven figures, if the season doesn't go 5-0 and through the first five games for some of these preseason favorites, do they begin to point fingers and go, you know what? I need my payday. I have to look out for my own. And oftentimes the unknown is what leads to a little bit of opportunity. And we see it time and time again in college football under normal circumstances. Where a team can get off to a white hot start, or team start a little bit slow, and the power ratings throughout the betting markets don't catch up. So, I think that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything else. I mean, we've already seen it with one of the highest profile teams in the country in USC, where Jordan Addison, the talented wide receiver that came in via transfer from Pittsburgh, said, You know what? This NIL uh, expectation hasn't exactly delivered the way I thought. So, what happens if the team loses a game early? Uh, does it become an overvalued commodity? So, I don't think early in the year, we're going to be able to find a ton of wiggle room um, other than some of the transfer portals that may be overvalued. Uh, but I do think as the season goes on for some of these high profile programs, if they're not playing to their best of their abilities, we'll have a chance to fade them early and often.
1: Ooh, that's interesting angle. Uh, you brought up USC. So let's stay right there with the Pac-12, of course, uh, as a as a, a, a an Angelino. Uh, You know, (laughs) Pac-12 close to my heart. Uh, And I got to wonder, you know, it took the market a little while to warm up to the idea that Lincoln Riley's move to USC meant a lot of other talented players were going to come with him. Uh, And he opened, you know, they I think they opened at like 30 to one or something to win the national title. And they've been bet pretty aggressively. Uh, Those numbers are long gone. Um, But is it fair to say that uh, potentially at this point, USC may be a little overrated uh, in the Pac-12?
3: I think that's an extremely, extremely accurate assessment. When you look at this Trojans team and you go across the board and see what their odds look like to win the Pac-12. Drew, you reference what their price is to win the national championship. We've seen Caleb Williams getting all sorts of buzz in the Heisman Trophy market by guys I truly respect grabbing prices at 12 to 1, 15 to 1. I've seen him dip as low as five in some spots. But you do wonder if it's going to be a honeymoon for the first season with Lincoln Riley. I mean, so much of this roster is going to look a lot different, which is probably a good thing, given how they took on water late in the year last season. But can you fit all those square pegs in around holes? Will all the players buy into your scheme Right away. And I think this is going to be a fascinating case study because I believe Lincoln Riley can be the man for the job. uh, Although USC is going to have to change the composition of their roster when they eventually make their way into the Big Ten. Uh, But as far as high flying offenses, creating buzz, getting asses in the seats, most importantly in L.A. where there are so many other entertainment avenues. I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken to want to bet USC to win a national championship, not just because of on-field merits, because they believe college football is a lot better. And I have to be careful, though. I can't throw too much shade uh, because my better half is a proud USC alum, and I'm pretty sure she thinks that they're going to win their first national championship since the Pete Carroll era over the next three seasons.
2: She is sadly mistaken, but don't tell her that <laughs> I said that.
3: Hey, trust hey. me, Vaughn, I tell her that all the time, and she's got a life-filled disappointment with a lifetime commitment to me. So that's the reality of things. <laughs> hey,
2: po- Points Bet told us the biggest liability at USC to win that conference. The most win total bet is over 9.5 for USC. So yeah. if you are listening, ladies and gentlemen, fade the Trojans uh, this season, but... Last year, I was one of the people that were all over the Washington Huskies. I was like, "This is the team that's going to win the Pac-12." Blah blah blah, and it just sh- it just was not right at all. Four wins, they were terrible. This year, the Pac-12 darling, why it seems like USC? It's really been Utah from the Sharps, in my opinion. The Utes seem like a team after all the success last year that they could win the Pac-12. Are you buying into that?
3: Well, you mentioned Washington, and I wish I could send multiple fruit baskets out to Jimmy Lake and their offensive philosophy, because there was no coach for me that was more profitable looking to bet first half unders, knowing they love to bang their head into a brick wall against eight, nine man boxes, because there was no threat of the passing game. but. I don't want to throw salt in the wound. So when we look at Utah, uh, I think that Kyle Whittingham finally has this team where they need to be. I mean, last year, they were a trendy pick by a lot of folks at prices of 8-1 to or greater to win the Pac-12. It didn't start off that way with a 1-2 and start. You saw the change of quarterback with Cam Rising taking over for Charlie Brewer. And the rest was history from what they were able to accomplish. But you look at the way Utah is being priced. I think the win total was a shade low when it opened up in that eight and a half range for a team that I actually have favored in all 12 of their games, albeit short road favorites in their season opener against Florida and a trip later in the year to Autzen to take on Oregon. Uh, but they bring so much back. You do have to replace a talented linebacker who's taking his talents to the next level in Devin Lloyd. So I can understand the optimism there, but I think their price to win the PAC 12 is extremely fair. In my opinion, it doesn't offer a lot of value uh, whatsoever, A team, though, that I think is flying a little bit under the radar, though, and what would have been the North Division in the past is the Oregon Ducks. I really believe they made the right decision in bringing in a, an influx of youth, especially at the head coach and coordinator positions. Kenny Dillingham was able to bring Bo Nix in a quarterback that he recruited at Auburn. And while Nix can be one of the more mercurial quarterbacks and some of his decision making leaves a lot to be desired. I think this team has one of the best linebacking cores in the entire Pac-12. If Noah Sewell and Justin Flo can stay on the field together. I have questions about their secondary, and no doubt that they're going to be tested week one as 17-point dogs against the Georgia Bulldogs. But if you're looking for a team not named USC or Utah that can win the conference, uh, I think Oregon it is extremely uh, opportunistic the way the schedule sets up with a very favorable road campaign. And even if they were to lose against Utah, they still could have a chance to see the Utes again in the conference championship. So a 3-1 to one Oregon, in my opinion, is probably the best bet to make in the Pac-12.
1: Can I uh, stay on Oregon for a second and ask you basically what to expect game by game from these guys under this new regime? Because it's been a long time since you looked at an Oregon team and you thought, hey, the strength of this team might be its defense. Uh, and you mentioned the linebacking core and and in general, you know, just bringing in a defensive coordinator from Georgia, uh, that's going to have a very different feel to it than the Oregon teams that we remember under, uh, you know, the last couple of regimes that were, uh, you know, capable of putting up 70 points on a given Saturday. <laughs> uh, you know, what have you, number one, seen the market sort of adjust correctly in terms of this being more of a defensive team in terms of totals, in terms of, uh, you know, just in you know overall output of, of points and you know would you expect there to be a little bit of a market lag just because of how much uh you know people are kind of anchored to the ducks of old
3: Well, I think there's going to be a huge uh, overreaction or underreaction. I know I'm not exactly uh, putting myself on one side of the fence, (laughs) given what we're going to see week one against Georgia. I mean, if Oregon goes out there, Drew, and we see them score 13 points in a defensive minded game in hostile territory down in Atlanta, you could see the market trend down a little bit. But I don't think that'll be indicative for what this offense wants to do. One of the big things that they talked about in spring camp and after watching the spring game was trying to hit the home run. I mean, this was an Oregon offense in years past, to your point, especially under Chip Kelly, that was explosive. So much of it was predicated on the run, but they had grown rather conservative under Mario Cristobal. It was a team that wanted to try and hit you in the mouth. He wanted to stay true to his offensive line DNA. And I think Kenny Dillingham and company want to try and allow Bo Nix to throw deep. The problem for the Ducks is they're going to need a couple receivers to emerge. They, of course, lose Travis Dye down the coast to USC. So one of their green breakers in the backfield is gone. And we'll see what they get out of Brian Cardwell. But there was some optimism about guys like Chase Coda and Chris Hudson during spring practice that lead them to believe they have some legitimate vertical threats the one thing that I am concerned about, as optimistic as I am about Oregon defensively, is they need some difference makers to emerge in the secondary. I think that's the one group that's going to get tested. Maybe not week one against Stetson Bennett and a Georgia team that we're not quite sure what they'll have as far as wide receivers are concerned, but it'll be on full display when Jaron Hall and that BYU offense come to town. So I think this is an Oregon team, to your point, that you're going to have to be able to adjust to very quickly to figure out what their style of play will be. And if they're better defensively and they want to run the football, there may be some opportunities you bet their games under the total.
2: I like that. And the last team I want to talk about this is, I love the Oregon take. I, I am not a fan of Bo Nicks, though. I've been very adamant about that. That's the yeah. only thing keeping me from going hard on the Ducks this season. But one team I really like is UCLA with Chip Kelly this year. I mean, their schedule, they have eight home games. Their non cover schedule is Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama. I mean, over eight and a half wins seem super easy to me. I played that uh, last night. I kind of like them at plus 900. I mean, are you are you buying into UCLA or are you fading the Bruins?
3: Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly didn't exactly go out there and create a murderer's row uh, for what <laughs> UCLA is going to have to encounter non-conference-wise. Alabama State, one hell of a payday to travel out to L.A. in the Rose Bowl for that matchup, although we have seen some money at least come in on some of the game of the year numbers on Bowling Green. Not going to call for an outright upset from the Falcons, but it may not be a five-touchdown laugher uh, the people were looking for. And when you talk about this UCLA team, I mean, I think the level of optimism starts with Dorian Thompson Robinson, who I feel like he's in his 17th year under center for UCLA, the Las Vegas kid. But the one thing about DTR that's got UCLA fans excited is they claim his decision making is a lot better that he doesn't want to try and throw the ball into tight windows like he grew accustomed to in the past. You have an extremely talented running back in Zach Charbonnet, uh, who we know can do it all. And I think they'll get him a little bit more involved in the passing game. Now, as far as UCLA defensively, I think that's going to be the key point to watch Mm -hmm. to figure out if this Bruins team is going to be able to get to nine wins or more. I like what Chip Kelly's building. Uh, I think that they are going to have their hands full, especially going forward. But to UCLA's credit, they're beginning to identify the kind of players that they need to bring in. They're not necessarily trying to... shoot for the pie in the sky with the five-star recruits. It's bringing in players that they can mold for their system and try and get where they need to go. So I'm kind of with you there. It's not a bet that I made myself, but I would definitely lean over the total for the Bruins, uh, and I can see them being a legitimate dark horse, one that I honestly would have made a much more compelling case for as far as the division odds if the Pac-12 was still with that North-South division because I think they have the rightful shot to be the second-best team in the South behind only USC. It's
1: a very yeah. fair point yeah no, i think uh no we've done due service here to the pac-12 and i think uh bruins if that soft schedule manifests to maybe a little inflated opinion of them as we get down the home stretch of the season uh they'll have some opportunities to bet against that team but uh, ultimately i'd be surprised if ucla is really in the mix uh what do you think bon
2: yeah i mean hey, like i said big ucla stand this season i'll be playing ucla and Oregon in the pac-12 but uh yeah, I'm just fade USC in Utah. That's all I can say. More <laughs> USC than anything. I think that's what we got from this. But I do want to let you guys know weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff, cover by Uber Eats. This Sunday, all you need to know is Juan Soto makes his return to Washington when the Padres face the Nationals on Sunday, 1130 a.m. Eastern. That's the bet to make in that game. It'll be live on NBC and Peacock. You guys can go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB for more. Chance to win 25K on the game for free, too, if you download the Sports Predictor app.
0: See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut
1: butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800Gambler.net. Call 1 800 9 With It in Indiana, 1 800 Bets Off in Iowa, 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado, 1 800 270 7117 in Michigan, 1 888 522 in Virginia, 877-8 Hope NY, or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine in New York. www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more
2: details. All right. Juan Soto hits homers. We win bets here on college football. Let's talk SEC. Any buy low teams? Because you know everyone's talking about Alabama, talking about Georgia, but there is more to the SEC than that. Uh, Todd, who do you like? Is there any dark horses in this conference?
3: You know, not to buy low to win the conference, but a team, I think, is going to be undervalued. I'll give you one on each side of the draw. One of these teams that was starting to get a lot of buzz, and as you guys know all too well, it's always disconcerting three weeks before the season when everybody is starting to clamor about the same program, and that would be what Shane Beamer is building (laughs) in lovely Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, the reports of Spencer Rattler, he's spitting the ball better than we've ever seen. You know, maybe it was a wake-up call for him getting benched Uh, his final season in Oklahoma for Caleb Williams. I mean, this was a guy that a lot of us had talked about and thought was going to be a bona fide first-round draft pick. And if he can get back and get right between the ears where he seems to be lacking more than anything else, this is a South Carolina team that is going to see a major uptick Considering that they finished last season with a couple of graduate transfers and graduate assistant coaches under center. So Shane Beamer is selling a hell of a bill of goods. And I think the Gamecock schedule sets up quite favorably for them to go over the total. I'm very mm. interested to see how they're priced, though, because when you look at the landscape of the SEC East, it appears obviously that Georgia is a cut above, Vanderbilt's a cut below, and that middle tier is tightly bunched together when you're talking about the Kentuckys of the world, Tennessees, and maybe South Carolina putting themselves in the discussion right alongside Florida. So South Carolina is a team in the East. And then in the West, uh, I'm going to make a case for Mississippi state. And when you look at Mississippi State's schedule, top to bottom, I don't want no part of their win total. I mean, they play a five week stretch. that's about as grueling as any team in college football will play this season, with yeah. Texas a and M Arkansas at Kentucky at Alabama, Auburn and Georgia. Uh, but cool. this is a team by default that if they don't win a ton of games, I think they can be point spread darlings. And will Rogers was ultra efficient last year. Yes, he's going to have to rely on some fresh faces in the receiving core. Uh, but I think Mississippi State is a team that nobody is really talking about, uh, given that all the buzz is about Alabama, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, which is essentially transfer you in the SEC to what Lincoln Riley is doing with USC. But I think Mississippi State's a team that's going to exceed oddsmakers' expectations more often than not on a week-in, week-out basis.
1: Okay, so I'm taking notes here. I got fade the real USC back the fake <laughs> USC. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, I guess if, if there is some middle class to the SEC this season and some teams that are going, you know, maybe going too high in the market right now in terms of expectation and the schedule, just not let them uh, realistically make their win totals. You have a couple already circled. And, uh, and how much are we uh, getting against the Tennessee win total?
3: yeah, you know what? The Tennessee win total, I actually think is relatively fair. I think the defense has some concerns, but but I'm a big Hendon Hooker guy. And and I think this is a Tennessee team that if they can go out there and play at that high level and execute offensively, going to be a thorn in the side of one of the big boys that's there. But I'll take a team in the East that I think is overvalued, mainly because their starting quarterback is drawing all sorts of headlines. This offseason, Will Levis was in the news for his... uh, Desire to mix mayonnaise in his coffee. So I hopefully none of you guys have adopted that practice, (laughs) at at least going forward. Uh, But Levis, when you look at some of the mock drafts for the uh, 2023 NFL draft being talked about as a top 10 prospect. Now, look, I, I don't evaluate a ton of talent. No one is coming to me trying to figure out where they should draft a FCS offensive lineman and how he projects to the next level but I watched enough Kentucky football last year and saw the decision-making from Will Levis that I'm a little bit skeptical of him being that guy. Granted, he's got the measurables. He's got the physical attributes. He's the prototypical alpha male uh, uh, under center, But you're talking about a team that's going to have a little bit of an adjustment and change in offensive philosophy, in my opinion. With Liam Cohn returning to the Los Angeles Rams, their offensive coordinator. You do bring in a former NFL guy, Rich Scanganello, or Scanganello as I butcher his name, from the 49ers. So I think it mitigates some of that transition. But this is a Kentucky team that a lot of people are extremely bullish on. And so much of the discussion has been about a defense that quite frankly, guys, I think is overrated. I don't think they're as able to replace some of the top tier talent that they've lost in recent weeks. And while Coach Stoops has done more in Lexington than I thought was possible for what traditionally is a college basketball program first in terms of getting an infusion of cash and capital to build up to facilities, I think Kentucky's a team that's going to be overvalued given their soft non-conference schedule. Uh, It's a team that I took a crumb under their win total when it was as high as eight and a half. And I think from a week in, week out standpoint,
1: this team is going to be a little bit overvalued. I like that take. That take makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Vaughn, did yeah. you take any positions against these teams in the SEC?
2: I actually like the fate on Kentucky a lot. They lost Wondell Robinson last year, which was like Mr. Do It All on offense for them, and that is the reason why I think Levis looked as good as he was at some points. Uh, I'm not buying a him, at him into him at all for uh, you know the Tennessee, South Carolina. I'm actually all in on South Carolina. Like if you can get the six wins, I really advise doing that. That's when the team is looking hard on even their backup quarterback. Um, I actually watched this kid in high school, Braden Davis. He's got to learn under Spencer Rattler. When he takes over, they're going to be a really good team. So, uh, yeah, I love the South Carolina look. I love the fate of Kentucky. But before we let you go, Todd, we do have to do a little player pass action. So we're going to give you four teams. You tell us yes or no if you think that team's going to make the college football playoff. We'll start one off with a little bit of a toughie for you, the Georgia Bulldogs. You know what?
3: I will say yes given the price at Pickham. I look at the college football landscape, and while it's always tough to stay atop the mountain when you haven't been there before, I don't think this Georgia team sees nearly the fall off that people are led to believe. I mean, Kirby's recruited a ton of four and five stars. The schedule gives them every single opportunity to get right back there. So I'll take the yes here and lay a dollar ten with Georgia.
1: How about Alabama? Two fifty minus two fifty to the yes, plus one eighty-five to the no. Uh, this seems like a uh, you know there's probably better things you can do with your money for that five months, but uh, you know minus two fifty worth putting in your pocket.
3: So you guys are numbers guys first and foremost, and while it may sound counterintuitive to a lot of the audience, I'm gonna say no on Alabama at minus two fifty. Not because I don't think they make the playoff, but if you're gonna bet the Crimson Tide, you can find better prices in my opinion on the, that, their odds to win the SEC. And I wouldn't hesitate if you shop around a little bit and you were able to find a two to one or better on Alabama to win the national championship. Uh, That was one of the more bizarre moves that I saw this offseason because normally professional bettors don't like to tie up their money for nine months in advance at such short prices. But Alabama at a couple shops was priced around 3-1. to Uh, And a hat tip to those folks who got out ahead of it. Uh, I wish I actually had a little bit of exposure to Alabama there, but I think we're destined for a crash course between Alabama and Ohio State in the national championship. So no one laying 250 for Alabama. Yes, I'm backing Alabama to win the national title at 2-1 to
2: or greater. I like that. I think that's the appropriate way to play it. I know Alabama to win the SEC is around like 145-150, so definitely better than playing the minus 250 on them to make the college World playoff. I think I know what the answer for this one is going to be, but the USC Trojans plus 400 yes, minus 625 no. Yeah, we're going to go short and sweet here. Uh, this is one that I would
3: lay the 625. I, I don't see USC's realistic opportunity to make the college football playoff nearly that high. I mean, this is a team, when you look at their schedule, that realistically, even at 12-1 and as Pac-12 champions, which I don't think they're going to achieve, may not have enough of those marquee victories and strength of schedule to get them there. So minus 625 on USC, they will be on the outside looking in and hope for the sake of USC football fans, they're at least playing a post-Christmas bowl game, you know, somewhere in an exotic destination like San Diego, maybe for the Holiday Bowl.
1: Mm, that all checks out to me. Utah, similar situation. Yes, is plus 475. No, is minus 835. But uh, I guess if you're feeling bullish about Utah, if you see things click, uh, maybe just better to bet them kind of game by game than try to put plus 475 in pocket. What do you think?
3: Yep, yeah, I'm kind of with you there, Drew. Uh, I think that's a perfect way to attack Utah. Do I think they have a ch- shot to make the college football playoff? I do, because they can have that big road win out of the gates uh, against Florida and use that. As momentum, even if Florida finishes seven and five, I think that's the kind of victory that could hold up when the committee reviews their overall profile. You go through Utah's schedule, it's rare to find a team that's obviously gonna be favored in every single game, not named Alabama, Ohio State, or Georgia. So plus 475, I wouldn't have any qualms with people trying to make a case uh, for the youths to be legitimate playoff contenders. But I think take them on a week in, week out. And if you're able to find an eight and a half for them in the win total market, would be much more inclined to tie up my money there than betting them at the long shot price to make the playoff.
2: Phenomenal content, Todd. We definitely appreciate it. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman and definitely check out the Bet the Board podcast. Subscribe and check out his YouTube as well. Todd, thank you so much, man. Have a great week. Hey guys, thanks for having me and best of luck this season. Thank you. Even though we're not going to need luck, Drew. Well, me, I'm not going to need luck in (laughs) college football season. Maybe you. I'm going to need luck, College. All right, well, just tell me. We'll be doing the shows together, so you'll be all good, my brother. But as always, I like to tell you in tennis, your edge of the day is going to be tennis tonight. Give us the pick.
1: Yeah, so uh, today kicks off. The uh, ca- the Canadian Masters Tournament. Okay. This used to be called uh, the Rogers Cup or the Coupe <laughs> Roger, depending on whether you were in Toronto or Montreal. It's a fun Fair tournament way. because Canada gets to host a Masters, which is uh, basically the next tier down after the slams. Um, and these are important tournaments. They make up massive ranking points. They are big, big paydays for these players. And they do men's and women's tournaments. Uh, At the same time. The funny thing is, they do the men this year in Montreal, the women this year in Toronto, and then next year they flip flop locations. So the guys and the gals go back and forth between these two venues, uh, and the men are in ATP Montreal this week. Uh, This uh, is a very Very, very competitive field. I cannot tell you who wins this outright. I thought that uh, the form we saw from Daniel Medvedev uh, in Los Cabos last week was pretty outstanding, but he got drawn into the quarter of death and will have to go through some extremely challenging competition just to get to uh, the later stages of this tournament. So can't get involved with the favorite or the one seed in Medvedev there, Um, but uh, this is going to be an incredible week of tennis. Tons of great matchups. And the one that stands out to me in the night slot here is Diego Sebastian Schwartzman of Argentina. He is taking on Alejandro. Fu- Uh, Davidovich Fokina, uh, ADF as he is colloquially called in the uh, tennis betting community. Uh, And Fokina, to me, is the uh, false favorite here. I don't think he should be realistically uh, lined as the favorite. I think this is a a match that favors Schwartzman relatively uh, strongly. And Diego Schwartzman has had a weird season. His, uh, you know, some decent results on clay. But then we got into grass uh, and it was just catastrophically bad for him Uh, and of course that would be expected given his strengths and how he likes to play his game Uh, and he wasn't really able to get any momentum going in the clay tournaments that that uh, followed Wimbledon. So he is really in kind of a tenuous situation and needs to put together a couple of impressive runs on the hardcourt swing here. Uh, he has not fired many of his bullets over this season, so he should have a lot in the tank. If this has to go uh, the distance and in a, in a hot, muggy uh, conditions in Montreal, I would expect Schwartzmann to still be able to grind this out in a, in a best-of-three setting. Uh, and I think, again, uh, Davidovich Fokina ought to be uh, the dog in this one. Pinnacle, or excuse me, yeah, some of the the market-making books right now are moving uh, in favor of Schwartzman. I would expect him to close in the minus 120 range, but Schwartzman at minus 107 or uh, currently at points bet minus 110 uh, is a, a bet worth having in pocket. I make him 58% to win this match and would uh, basically bet him up to about minus 120.
2: I was about to say that. That'd be about minus 120 odds if I'm thinking about what I've been learning from you all this time. But I I like that play a lot. It seems it makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. Uh, You did mention something about being hot and muggy, and uh, that's kind of where my edge of the day is. This team is hot and muggy uh, where they play. You got any idea who I'm talking about?
1: Uh, I'm guessing the Florida Gators. The
2: Miami, Miami baby, the, you, the, you, I don't have my, I don't have a big like turnover chain like they do, but I'm gonna bring my chain out for this one, Drew, because this team can be the Cinderella. We know that there was Cinderella in college basketball last season, but college football, I really like what they did. Arguably the best seven and five team in all of football last season. In my opinion, they got Mario Cristobal, the former Oregon head coach we talked about earlier. He's a former offensive lineman for Miami. So he went back to his home team uh, to try and bring them up to what they've been doing. And lately, last year, I like to target teams in the win total department that had a lot of close losses. All right. And they're getting better in year two. That's what Miami is. Miami lost three of their five games by three or less points. They lost to Virginia 30 to 28, North Carolina 45 to 42, and Florida State 31 to 28. Their two other losses to Alabama and Michigan State. All right. This is a very good team. The eight and a half win total was funny to me because they got 14 guys back, including a Heisman candidate. Tyler Van Dyke, who had 25 touchdowns, 6 picks, and went 6-3 and as a starter last year, 2-0 and versus the top 25. They got their leading rushers back, Drew. 137 combined starts on the offensive line. They added five experienced transfers on the D-line, their weakest spot. And when you look at their schedule, my friend, seven out of their eight games are very winnable. Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Middle Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Duke, Georgia Tech, and Florida State. All right, they can absolutely win seven out of those eight games. And you look at the last four, we got AM, Clemson on the road, the UNC, and Pitt at home. No Kenny Pickett, no Sam Howell. Very key indicators of schedule for Miami, and they're getting better this season. 72% of the handle at points that's on the over eight and a half wins. I think the Sharps are aligning on this one with me, and I think you should sprinkle in them to win the ACC at plus 550 odds because Clemson. Still some f- still some fakes, in my opinion. And if we're talking <laughs> college football playoffs, you don't spend much on this. I'm talking McDonald's money, like we talk about all the time on this show. College football playoffs, plus 1,500 on the Miami Hurricanes to make it. If they win the ACC and they run through the competition, they have a very good shot. So give me the U. You know what would
1: be uh- – would would pull my heartstrings, uh, in just in terms of um, like a great narrative, if Miami uh, did get the four four seed in the playoff, Ohio State is the one seed, and they send those two teams to the Fiesta Bowl, uh, get to relive a little bit of the two thousand three Fiesta Bowl drama, which was one of the best ever national championship games between the Buckeyes and the Hurricanes. Uh, having the Hurricanes back in the discussion for football in general will be amazing, and I think uh, finding any way to get some money down against Clemson. Uh, is fine by me so i like that 15 to 1 i'm gonna bet that today
2: all right let's go my guy love to hear it hopefully everyone enjoyed the show todd Furman was awesome as always make sure you guys check his content out and follow drew and i drew is the well capper IMV money sports go to nbc sports edge for all your fantasy football content the nfl college football and of course baseball still going on so subscribe rate the podcast all that good stuff thank you guys for watching our channel and good luck with your plays enjoy your monday